morning, church. Welcome back to our series entitled Make a Difference, Learning to Follow God Well. For this series, we are looking at three people in the book of 1 Samuel. We're looking at Hannah and Samuel and then ultimately King Saul, whose life and decisions, the choices that we make, and as we see the outcome of their way of life, um, are very instructive on, on how to follow God well and how to live a life that makes a difference. And so that's, that's where we're going with our study currently. Uh, for, the fir- for the third time now, we are taking a look at Hannah. Hannah, the first person in this, in this grouping. Uh, and what I want you to see today, as we begin looking at her story, is I want you to see something like this when it comes to making a difference. I want you to see that if you want to make a difference... If you want to make a difference more than most people, you need to make different decisions than most people. If you want to make a difference more than most people, you need to make different decisions than most people. If you want to make an unusual impact in your life for others, you're going to need to make unusual decisions for the sake of others, decisions most people don't make. That's what we're talking about today when we're being pushed about living a life that makes a difference. We'll talk about that more when we look at Hannah. But first, I I had an interesting dream this week. Actually, I had it on Wednesday or Thursday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. I dreamed that my grandmother, Erwin, who passed away in June, was allowed to come and visit me from heaven. And we had a conversation. This is a pretty special conversation. you know, if you were here in June, you remember that I was hoping to make it back to the States to see her before she passed away, but she died the morning um, I was flying out. And so I didn't actually get to connect. It was so close after a year. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. But, but anyways, so I had this dream uh, that she was allowed to come and visit me from heaven. It's kind of a special gift. Now, my grandmother, Erwin, was uh, a godly woman, a godly woman uh, of prayer, faithfully served in her church uh, all her life. She hosted small groups, and it was just an amazing example of a godly woman in her generation. She was strong and kind. She was strong and humble. She was just just a a godly woman. Well, in this dream, uh, I knew that she'd been in heaven and uh, with Jesus, and so I asked her two questions. Is kind of a, what would you ask somebody if you well anyways I asked her two questions I said what do you wish you you had done differently in life and I asked her what surprised you about heaven and and both her answers in my dream were, were rather surprising to me what surprised her about heaven was how every second active God was pertaining to things happening on earth just every microsecond, he was like, oh, I'm blessing this, and, and I'm responding to this, I'm trying to get this person, like, how, how extremely active God was, and, and, and basically, when she saw how active God was in heaven, interacting with earth, it, it, it surprised her, because we tend to have this idea of a very patient God who eventually gets around to it, but, but, but she, was, she was just blown away by how every second, microsecond active God was. The other question that I asked her was, if, if you wish you'd done uh, things differently in life, okay, now just to make sure, I'm not saying this is Bible. I'm just saying this was a dream I had, all right? We're, we're, we're tracking, okay, good. Uh, the other, what do you wish you'd done differently in life? Again, uh, she lived a godly life, an amazing example, uh, stable, godly, praying, serving. Well, what she said to me in the dream was, is she wished... She had not played it as safe. 
She wished she had not played it as safe. She lived a godly life, but she wished she'd made a few more decisions to be a little bit more uncomfortable at times. For God, for his kingdom, for, the, for his church, for Jesus' message. Um, merely than just being decently comfortable and godly, she wished she'd made a few bigger sacrifices. In retrospect, and in that dream, there was no sense of condemnation, no sense of regret or guilt, but just... You know, knowing what I know now, if I could do it again, I, I probably would have uh, wanted to play it less safe uh, and push myself a little bit. It was a pretty special dream uh, th this week. Friends, one of the great heart battles in, in every generation, definitely in, in our generation, is the battle over where we live for mostly. Where we live for mostly. Uh, where do we store our treasure? Jesus talks about storing treasures on earth, not storing treasures on earth, but instead storing treasures in, in heaven. And he says you, you can't serve both God and money and all that kind of stuff. Well, well, our general response in our generation is, is I can store treasures on earth and in heaven. Watch me. I, I will show you that, that, that it can be done. I'm going to live a godly life. I'm going to live a, a godly life, and I'm going to have treasure in heaven and I'm going to have treasures on earth, a good, comfortable life financially. Now, I believe that the message of Jesus in that moment is not, you can't have a nice house or a nice car or a nice iPhone or, or whatever. Uh, it's just a warning, though, that moments are going to be coming in your life where you're going to need to show your hand, where you're going to need to show your priorities, where you're going to need to prioritize one treasure location over another they will be in conflict with each other and and you're going to have to choose in that moment where are you going to be storing your treasure where is your heart priority going to be is it going to be heaven or earth heaven or earth and i think my my grandma was saying to me in this dream that if she could do it again she would have had more times where she came to those moments and Prioritize treasure heaven as opposed to safety and comfort here on earth And in no way am I knocking the way that that she lived her life. She was a godly woman, but I know that um, So many of you are new here in, in this church You've been around for a while and, and so i'm going to quickly retell one of my testing moments in this area Just just so if you're new here so you can kind of get to know a little bit more of of, of our story, but um it's also significant pertaining to our Hannah story today. Uh, one of the most major money-testing moments in my life took place when Kelly and I moved to Scotland. And we moved here, in order to move here and relocate here, we, we sold pretty much everything. We, we owned a lot of things, not everything, but, but pretty much everything. Everything from snowboard to, to car, from toasters and mixers to our bed, actually. I made our bed. Uh, I, I built it in my dad's welding shop and drilled it out and bent the steel, and, and uh, it was really strong. It was, it was a little over the top. But anyways, um, I, I built that. My sister ended up buying that, so that was, that was cool. Um, we, anyways, we sold most everything we had. That was a little bit of a side note. Sorry. <laughs> back to the real story instead of patting myself on the back. Uh, the, plan, the, the plan was to sell stuff. And then move over here and, and buy stuff, like buy a car, because we, we'd sold a car, and buy a toaster because of the power issues and all that kind of stuff, lamps and all that, all that sort of stuff. So we ended up with a huge pile of cash, as at, least, at least according to 27-year-old Brian, and, and we, we started replacing things when we moved over here. But one day, I was praying for our church 
whilst walking home from, from Byers Road to my flat, and I was asking God to provide for, for our church and our building situation at the time. It was, it was a long time ago. And I remember the exact place th that I was walking when God spoke to my heart. And he said, Brian, I want you to give me, right now, half of your savings. Half of your savings. And I, I was just stunned at that moment. I mean, there was so much that we hadn't yet replaced. And the significance of giving up half the savings, it was, it was, I had plans. I had plans for that money. I had significant plans for that money. And if I did that, it had major consequence. I wasn't going to be able to get a car. We ended up not having a car for, for, um, for five years. But, but I was like, I know that, it, that I've got plans in the now for, for this money. I've got hopes for this. Well, it took me a few blocks, and, and then I, I finally got my answer. I, I knew what my answer was. I knew what my answer was going to be, but God asked, and so I'm going to give it. But then the next challenge was going to be Kelly, <laughs> telling, telling Kelly. And so I walked in the flat, and I, and I told Kelly, I was like, I believe God has asked me to give him half our savings. Now, I know what I was expecting. I was expecting pushback. Uh, are you sure? But actually, to Kelly's credit, she responded as perfectly as you would ever hope someone to respond. And, and, and she was just like, okay, if, if that's what you think God's saying to us, then, then yeah, let, let's do this. And, and I just remember being so blessed and amazed by, by her response there. And so we did it. And I remember sitting at the computer and getting ready to transfer over the, the, the thousands and just thinking, my hopes for this money are about to disappear. And, 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 I, and I just took a deep breath, and I, I clicked to make a final, and then, and then I just worshiped. I spent some time just pray, praying, and, and God, I give you all that you ask. I, al I will. I always have. I always will. And, um, and I'll give you more even than you ask, because I, I, I don't know. For me, I, I like even numbers, and so I tend to round up. And so... Uh, it's like, I'll give you all that I ask and more. I, I trust you with my finances and, and, uh, and watch over me and bless me. Again, so five years, uh, five years, it took us a long time to kind of recover from that. And we rented and all that kind of stuff. But one day, as the story truly goes, years and years later, 10 years or so later, 10 years, I just want to reiterate, 10 years or so later, God blessed us. With, with a gift that we could use for a down payment on a flat. And we could have never, ever, uh, got, we were not on a trajectory to be able to ever afford, afford this a flat. Uh, we just weren't going to be able to do that. And the flat that we were able to purchase, then we ended up purchasing, was exactly right where God spoke to me a decade earlier saying, I want you to give up half your savings. I just, had, I just had no idea a decade in the future that God was going to more than provide what, what I was giving up. So again, the flow was I, was, I was praying to God. He asked me for half. I gave it a bit more, and although it impacted the next several years very, uh, very practically, financially, then God ended up blessing us far beyond what I could have ever expected, and I, I didn't see it coming. Now, I'm not making any promises uh, for you and your situation, but my story is not dissimilar to the examples that we see in the Bible, where people are facing choices between heaven and earth, between heaven and earth, a better life for themselves now, in the now, 
versus sacrificing in the present for the sake of God and his kingdom's big picture for the impact on others in the future. And it, it turned out that, that God used that money that we gave to the church to be able to, it wasn't immediately needed, but ultimately it became the down payment for this place, or part of that became a down payment for this church building where we've been able to grow and thrive as a church and as a family. We see this same sort of thing happen in the Hannah story. If you have your Bibles, you can start flipping to 1 Samuel chapter 1. The words are going to be on the screen. But the story thus far in the last couple weeks that we've seen is Hannah starts in the context of suffering. She's in the context of incredible life pain and anguish for years and years. She's being tormented, and she's been praying this desperate prayer. She's been praying this desperate prayer that God would give her a son. Until finally... After many years, she makes a vow to God and she makes this commitment to God saying, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. So she makes that vow. She makes that commitment. She makes that promise in her heart. And then Eli the priest blesses her. We, we talked about the last time we talked about Hannah. And said, and the priestly blessing went like this May the God of Israel grant the petition you've requested from him. We talked about that two weeks ago. Spoken priestly blessings can be powerful. That's what I preached. Spoken priestly blessings can be powerful in the physical. For instance, uh, when, we, when we speak a, a priestly blessing, things can shift in the spiritual bringing about change in the physical. That's, that's what I talked about two weeks ago. And, and so Hannah had been praying for years, and then after she gets blessed, after she gets that blessing, something actually shifts, leading to her able to have a, have a baby over the next year. That desperate prayer finally saw a breakthrough. Now, my, I have a testimony about this, and I know you heard about it last week, but I wasn't here. I was in Belfast, and so I get to bring this testimony. Two weeks ago, when I taught on priestly blessing and how every believer is a priest and has, can speak a priestly blessing so that things can shift in the spiritual, bring about change in the physical, I told you that for the last three years I've been in a cycle of praying and fasting and praying and fasting for the same two things uh, year after year after year, uh, and several times throughout the year. And so I was shameless. If you were here, how many of you were here two weeks ago? Yeah. I was shameless, and I had you stand up. I'm like, let's practice on me. And, and I had you all stand up, and I had you speak a blessing over me, and you spoke the, a blessing, something along the lines of, in the name of Jesus, may God quickly, I think we kind of stumbled over the word quickly the first time, right? Uh, may God quickly answer the prayers you've been praying. And I was like, okay, that was good, but we're going to try it again. I want you to emphasize the word quickly. And so we did it again, and you blessed me twice, and we did it in the morning, and we did it in the evening service, and, and, and as you know, the very next day, repeat, the very next day, unexpectedly, after, after all these years, I received the call about more space, here's the price, do we want it at this price, and, I, and, and things just started flowing until, until it was all agreed, and, and, and we're, we're on track. The very next day, right? Praise God, right? Um, yeah, that was really great, Brian. That was so awesome. I can't believe it. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy that you would preach something and it was true and it actually happened. And, and, you, and we blessed you and, and things shifted. What were the chances? That was so lucky, Brian. That was so lucky. 
No, that was God. I'm telling you, that's it. That's <laughs> Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for blessing me. Okay, so your blessing, a priestly blessing as a believer can be powerful. It was for me. So, so Hannah, she received this priestly blessing, makes a commitment to God, and, and that leads to answered prayer. And then in verse 19, we read this. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up after this blessing, got up early to bow in worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Okay, again, the key word, after some time, I know for me, I like immediate, re immediate results such as two weeks ago, Yes, you blessed me, and then the next day, that's, that's, that's what I like, but um, yeah, breakthrough, sometimes things shift in the spiritual and take a few weeks maybe, or, or a little bit of time to, to shift in the physical, but the blessings are still powerful after some time. And then we keep reading in verse 21. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his, his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband, Elkanah, replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When, the, when she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, a half bushel of flour, and a jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Okay, so she has this miracle baby, right? She raises him until he's weaned. Now, how old is that? We're extremely confident that it's three years old. Why are we confident? Well, because of our study of ancient cultures. Also, the book of 2 Maccabees, not in the Bible. I don't want to get into it. But the 2 Ma Maccabees, an ancient book writing about history of what's going on during the Jewish revolt in around 166, 168, 165, in that zone of B.C. before Jesus, about 160 years before Jesus, writing about what's going on there. In, in, that, in those books, um, this one's 2 Maccabees chapter 7, um, you get this insight of what's going on in that culture, and it talks about how children were weaned at age three. Uh, why age three? It's very common in those societies, societies without running water in the homes or without, without, with inconsistent purity levels in the water, with inconsistently purity levels in the drinking water to wait until age three to, to, to wean their baby. So that would have been true with Moses. It would have been true with Samuel. They would have had a sense of, okay, I, I, know, this, I know this baby. I know this child. The child has a memory of their, their mothers and, and are impacted by that. So around age three, after three years with her baby, and just, just I know that you can count, but I'm just going to walk this through. When the baby is a baby, and then when the baby is one, and then while the baby is two, and then, while the child is three, for all those years, she is there with Samuel. Like, they are connecting. They are, they are close. Mother, child, deep connection. Years of connecting. And then eventually she comes to that moment after those years where she has to either keep her commitment to God or break it. Heartbreak or commitment break. 
He had a brutal moment. And, and we might come up to these moments where we know what God wants us to do. Sometimes it's to, to break up with someone who's not a believer, or sometimes it's, it's a money thing, or it could be whatever our heartbreak moment is. When it, when it comes time to actually act on what we believe God's calling us to do. And for her, it was to give up this, this boy that she'd raised for the last three years. It's those moments where you got to choose between heaven or earth. Between heaven or earth. And, and most, most, most choose earth. Most people choose earth. And in this series, we're talking about making a difference. And to do that, we choose what most people don't. And we choose heaven. And we choose heaven as genuine, faithful believers in Jesus. Hannah does. And she's our example. She chooses heaven. She fulfilled her commitment to God. And in that moment, she gave up her now. She gave up her now. She gave up her, her dreams of being as a mother with no sense of what God would do for her or even through her sacrifice. No sense of, well, of course, I can see that if I do this, then God, then, then all this amazing stuff's going to happen. She has, she has no sense. Very often, God grants us a holy blindness to what he's going to do. God very often gives us a holy blindness to the real impact of our hard-to-give sacrifices. A holy blindness to the real impact of our hard-to-give sacrifices. A, a faith-required holy blindness. I couldn't see a need. When we gave our money to the church all those years ago, I couldn't see any need for that the church needed that much money at the time. I could only see the cost. I could only see what I was losing at the time. But years later, it became part of our down payment. I couldn't see that at the time. Hannah cannot see the choice that she's making and its impact that it's going to have on the nation. She can't see. She can't imagine. She's just surrendering. She's just surrendering. Her, her, her sacrifice is going to make an amazing impact. She can't see it. She also can't see what God is going to do for her. As she steps out in obedience, she can't see that, what God is, that God's going to bless her. She has a holy blindness that makes her make a decision to show where her, where her kingdom is. And she chooses heaven, and she, she walks away. She chooses. She has that choice between heaven or earth. And we have these moments, too, where we have to show her hand. Now for me or sacrifice my now for maybe the potential of impacting others for Jesus later. Now, Hannah gets blessed, and, and we're going to skip ahead to chapter 2, in the middle of chapter 2. And, and we read this, um, we read what's going to happen, and again, she doesn't know this, but we get to find out about this later. Chapter 2, verse 18, her testimony is the boy Samuel served in the Lord's presence and wore a linen ephod. Each year, his mother made him a little robe, she loves her boy and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. May the Lord give you children by this woman, Hannah, in place of the one she has given to the Lord. Then they would go home. The Lord paid attention to Hannah's need is the word. I don't think that qualifies in the need-need sense, like I need air, I need water. 
But God pays attention and calls it a need, her, her anguish, her heart place there. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Again, so the blessing, the Lord pays attention to her need, her heart's desire. There's no promise here. There's no promise here, but there's an example of a God who's commonly described as one who over the years can far outgive our greatest gifts. And she, she gave up her one and only miracle baby, and over the years received five more miracle babies. I gave up half my savings, received more than five times that amount years later. Although it might not be seen for years, God is not blind to unusual, faith-filled generosity and very often in the bible god repays generosity generously but back to chapter one she gets repaid over the years for her sacrifice of giving up her son and i want to show you something else in chapter uh chapter one here i, I want to show it you won't see it but then i'll show you so that you can see it verse 24 says this when she had weaned him she, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, a half bushel of flour, and a jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. You're supposed to read that verse and be like, wow, Hannah. That's how you're supposed to read that verse. Because she is surprisingly over-the-top generous in her worship of God in this moment. Okay, I'm going to read you an ex a stunningly boring passage just really quickly. Trust me, it's, it's, it's dazzling. In Numbers chapter 8, this is the passage that shows what Hannah was supposed to do. This, this is the law of what she's supposed to do in this moment. She sa it says this in verse, Numbers 15, verse 8. If you prepare a young bull, okay, that's what we're doing, a young bull as a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow. That's what Hannah's doing. She's fulfilling a vow. She's bringing the proper sacrifice, a, a young bull, uh, or as a fellowship offering to the Lord. A grain, this is what you need to bring with it. A grain offering of six quarts of fine flour mixed with two quarts of oil must be presented with the bull. Also present two quarts of wine as a drink offering. It's a fire offering of pleasing aroma to the Lord. Again, you're welcome for that boring passage. However, I, want, I just want you to know that Hannah is, is, that's her mandate. That's her instructions of what she's supposed to do. But Hannah brings much, much more. Her offering comes back much, much more when she comes back with a thankful offering, more than is required. She's bringing her son. You're thinking, that's, a, that's more than a sacrifice. And then she brings the offering to go with it. God, thank you for fulfilling this vow. And, and, and she comes back with huge amounts of generosity over the top. Again, we've talked about this before, but Hannah is an amazing example of how to respond when God answers your prayers. And with Hannah, one of, one of her ways, major ways, is that over-the-top generosity in thankfulness, that thank offerings when it comes to worshiping God with prayer. Now, God has just answered our church's years and years of prayer here for more space. And the time is coming. It's not today. It's not today. But I, I, we're going to start at our feast celebration, which is, I think, in two weeks. And we're, we're going to call for a special one-time offering. 
a one-time offering for the purchase and, and, and renovations of, of the south side and, and, and hopefully renovations here. We're starting to explore what renovations here might look like. You'd be happy to know that on the tables is this idea of several more toilets. <gasps> I know, I, I know, I know. The things that we praise God for, right? Toilets here. What a miracle. How are we going to do this? Anyways, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get some buckets outside here along the— No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna work. We're gonna, but anyways, just ways to, to renovate here now. It looks like we're going to be here for, for a longer time and, and things like that. Um, we're going to have this special offering coming up, and I'm just warning you about that. I'm not talking about that right now. But anyways, um, Hannah, she brings her generous gift. That's a great response to answered, answered, um, answered prayer, long-time thankful answered prayer to the Lord. She has that, and then she does another thing which we're going to be doing. Uh, in verse 26, as we keep reading in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she says, please, my Lord. And so she's, bring, she's brought the boy, she's brought the bull, and she's presented it to Eli, and she says, please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood beside you praying to the Lord. I don't want to say that I was the one who you thought was drunk and you accused me of all this stuff, which wasn't true. You, you, you thought evil things. I, no, she doesn't say that. I was here praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy. I didn't actually tell you back then what I was praying for, but you just said, may the Lord answer my prayer. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked for him, as you blessed me, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he bowed in worship to the Lord there. She testifies testifies he has a prayer how the how her prayer was answered when when he blessed her and it's probably exactly four years to the day or to the to the week probably exactly four years to the week they do this trip once a year uh he was blessed over the course of a time she gets pregnant has a baby waits until the boy is three years old this is probably four years later you know i mean you know, if you've ever been prayed for at the church, we, we remember every prayer, every time, and every blessing we've ever spoken, but even four years later. But maybe, maybe Eli, he was old at this time. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> but God loves it when we testify to our answered prayers. I want you to tell me if, if, when I pray for you or when I bless you and, and things are answered. Our, our, the prayer ministry team wants you to tell us when, when we're praying for you and things, things are answered. And, and she does that here. We have that in share time, but also that face-to-face -face moment. God loves to be praised. He loves testimony. We're going to be doing that more and more. Okay. That's chapter one here. But big picture, big picture, Hannah's massive sacrifice in giving up her son, her only son, her, her son who was a miracle baby and answered a prayer with no expectation that she would ever have any other kids ever, her loss, her felt grief, her felt loss and sacrifice ended up being the nation's gain. Ended up being the nation's gain. She did not know that at the time. God didn't promise her anything God didn't show up and say, trust me, Hannah. We don't see God saying anything to her. If you give me your son, then I will do something great with him, and you can be in the Bible. She doesn't say anything like that. She just does it. But that ended up being the result. When I think about our church situation here, we've never been in a moment like this where we get the joy of, of seeking to raise, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand pounds to purchase and renovate the south side buildings and, 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 and this building. And, and we've got 68 days to come up with a, 
140,000, and, and we're, we're going to work on that over the next couple weeks here. But at the end of the day, it's been a huge answer to prayer. It's been this huge answer to prayer to get more space, and we are convinced that God has finally opened up the door for us to have a much bigger impact. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our city who need Jesus, who need Jesus, who need to be impacted by Jesus, who need to be reawakened by Jesus. Uh, and, and it seems like Jesus is like, okay, church, you are ready for more space. You've asked for more space. How about I'll give you over a thousand more seats? You don't even have a thousand now, but I'm going to give you, uh, I'll give you a, a thousand more seats, maybe to, to impact a thousand more people, or maybe, maybe 10,000 people over the years or more being helped and changed and impacted and saved. And so the call is definitely going out, and God's opening doors, and he's been answering our prayers, years of prayers, and now we get to respond in praise. God, we have pleaded with you for more space, and, and, and here we are. I, what, I, what I want to just say is, over the next couple of weeks, I want you to just be asking God, God, how do you want me to respond in thankfulness that, for what you've done for my church? That's all I want you to do. God, how do you want me to respond in thankfulness? Um, do you want me to give financially? Do you want me to get my flatmates to give to you, give financially? Do you want me to get my, my granny to give financially? What, 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 do you want, what, do you, what do you want me to do? Um, and and, and just, just listen. Now, God may ask you, as he has me before and, and several of you before, to, to, to do something that's maybe a little bit stretching. And, and you're like, oh man, I've got plans for that money. Uh, I get it. You know, I, I have plans. I have a, call, a car that I'm, a, or a renovation, or a holiday, or a flat, or whatever. Who knows? But this is just one of those moments where God might be asking you to to give. For many of us, this this could be another one of those treasure treasure moments. Heaven or earth, heaven or earth. My life now, or the potential to for impacting others for heaven for eternity my now or their future i just i just know moments like this come along in life hopefully many you you, you think that they're a terrible idea but actually they're such a special moment where you get the opportunity to be a part of uh, the impact of other people for eternity my now or their future and if that happens to you where God calls you to give uncomfortably over the next few weeks, I want to I encourage you. I'm not promising you anything, but I see Hannah's story. I see it in my life. God takes note of gutsy, uh, sacrificial generosity, and, and, and especially in response, a thankful response to answered prayers. And my guess is that whatever you lose in this moment, whatever you count as loss, there's a good chance without a promise that God is paying attention and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Notice with her, with Hannah here, her loss was the nation's gain, and God gave her five more children. Our series is entitled Make a Difference. Learning to follow God well. And as I said at the beginning, if you want to make a difference more than most people, you need to make different decisions than most people. As I said in the beginning, if you want to make an unusual impact in your life for others, you're going to need to make unusual decisions for the sake of others, decisions most people don't make. Choose their future over my now. If you want to make a difference, look at Hannah. And she made a difference by giving up her now with the result that the whole nation was impacted. 
but it came at today's sacrifice, not knowing what the impact was going to be, if any. When it comes to our building situation, we're going to find ourselves facing this incredible moment where God is going to give us thousands of, uh, thousand, more than a thousand seats for reaching and rising up a new generation, and it is going to make an impact. Our sacrifices today are going to make impact for thousands in the years ahead. I know it. Learning to make a difference is learning that when moments like this come, God prompts hearts. Thank you.